You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Why don't you turn around and at least say, I'm sure there's at least two people around you you've never met before. I, that's just a guess. But why don't you just turn around, smile, interact at some level. Pretend God is more powerful than the fear of saying hi. So good. And then before you take your seats, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, welcome into this place. Spirit of grace, Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, welcome into this house. This is your house. We are your temple. We are your house. And so as we gather, I thank you. Your word promises you are in the midst. Where two or three gather, you are in the midst. Father, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, tonight, this morning, this afternoon, every service throughout the entire day, online, around the world, whatever time zone people are watching it. Prayer is one that you would get all the glory, you would get all the honor, you would get all the worship, you would get all the adoration. We humble ourselves, we lay ourselves low that one and one alone, Jesus, may be lifted high and magnified and worshiped. We stand in awe of you and we thank you today that you would reawaken something again. Thank you that you're reawakening us bit by bit, piece by piece, line by line, layer by layer, precept by precept. But today, reawaken something again in every spirit that is here, every heart that is open. And so God, we remove every other distraction that right now in this moment, in this place, you would speak and every child of yours would hear and receive. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Wonderful. Why don't you take your seats? Wow, I feel so close to you, Paul. We've always been close, but this is like, this is so good. Aren't you glad that life is slowly opening up again? Well, if you're new, you've joined us for the last part of a five-part series. The other four parts are all available online. We did a series called Reawakening Disciples and really found that over the last couple of years, different parts of our life have, I guess, been put to sleep or anesthetized or become numb because of fear, virus, pandemic rules, life. And yet, God never changed the mandate, never changed the plan, He never changed the purpose. We did. And yet, I don't think He's mad. I think He's glad when His church wakes up. And every now and then, as a church, we sit down, not physically, I mean, we sit down in terms of the posture that God wants us to take. And God doesn't get angry. He just says, arise, arise and shine. Your light has come. And so all, with, all that's happened over the last few weeks is different parts. We spoke about reawakening prayer and where, where the message was pray yourself full. That God doesn't just want us clean. He wants us filled. Can I hear an amen? You know, I found that the church has been so passionate. You have been so loud. Like, no, the mask hasn't silenced the power. It hasn't silenced the praise. It hasn't silenced the agreement. It's quite amazing. Um, we talked about choosing life. 
and reawakening the desire for the word, which is not about rules, it's about life and death. And the fight to gather, and every week more and more and more and more and more and more starting to gather into the house of the Lord. And that's not just about a service or a meeting, that's actually God's design is a huge part and a huge slice of your discipleship can only be found in the gathering. And then last week we spoke about deep lives matter and how depth really matters. And uh, today, as it's probably no secret because you can see a piano there, we want to talk about reawakening worship. And I've entitled the message for a few moments before we do that, The Wonder of Worship. The Wonder of Worship. The Wonder of Worship. What is worship? You know, we, we normally when you want to dig into something, you want to know the, the what, why, where, how, when, all of that. Let me just give it to you very quickly. What is worship? Worship is the expression of adoration towards a deity and all of us are worshipers. The real question is who you're worshiping. Your career, your parents, your culture, your government, your friends, your church, or is it your God? We're all worshipers because we all give our feelings, our emotions, our affections, our adoration. We all. Your football team, See, I stopped worshiping Manchester United a long time ago. About 2012 or 13, I think I stopped. But we all give adoration. It's like we all pour our feelings. That's what worship is. What's, is, is it worth your affection, worth your attention? And I want to say that when we talk about worship in church, we often reduce it to singing. But worship is far more than singing. It's not limited to singing. But I want to say that in the context of this, we come from many different styles, spaces, ages, demographics, and uh, sometimes people ask some really good questions like, so what, what do you all do? Why do we do what we do? It is not limited to singing, but you know there's over 400 references in the Bible to singing. There's more to clapping and dancing. And so I want you, you know, there's over 50 direct commands to sing. Like commands, not suggestions. And it doesn't say those of you who have a voice like Melody or Sam, you sing. He says all of us, we have to sing, apparently. It's not pleasant to your neighbor, but it's pleasant to the Lord. I mean, your neighbor probably doesn't hate it. I just shouldn't say that. That's terrible. Do you know, you, you, you saw the praise earlier if you came on time and people are like, dancing in church. It's demonic. I want to tell you something. The devil made nothing. The, the fact you think anything is demonic means you've only seen the distortion of it. The devil didn't make creativity, God did. Look at creation. What the devil does is he distorts everything. And I want to say something right now to people here and in online. The devil didn't give you your gift, God did. But you decide if you use the gift for God or the devil. Like money, you decide whether you use it for God or the devil. You Like anything that you have. Singing, music, you know, we associate it because the enemy has done a better job of distorting it, putting it in the forefront. And so then we then cut expressions of creativity. Do you know, the devil didn't involve, the nightclubs didn't invent dancing. David danced before the Lord, well before there was a nightclub. Dancing is an expression of adoration towards God. And all the dancers said, Amen. And God 
gave you that ability to express and articulate the way you did? You know, I grew up in a house where everyone had to learn piano. I don't know, did you guys all, you all learn piano? You all learn piano? You all learn, did you learn piano? You learn piano? Every Asian grew up in a house where they had to learn piano. How many people had to learn piano? Okay, not every Asian, but some of you are like, yeah. It's like they, the parents thought they was going to enhance your studies. So they said, learn piano. So all of us had to learn piano. And I guess maybe that's why it's a bit closer to my heart and a bit closer to, and worship is a big part of, of, of how I relate to God. But can I say this about, when, when you think about what is worship? Worship is essentially a, a function of relationship. Worship isn't a style I teach you or a song you learn or a methodology. If there's no undercurrent of relationship, worship means nothing. Jesus said of a group of people, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So he's not interested in just the song that comes out of your voice. He's interested in the love that comes out of your heart. Worship disconnected from relationship is karaoke. Or what do you say here? Karaoke. I'm learning. I'm becoming more Malaysian. It's taking me a while. Which is why people come in and go, I don't want to sing. What's this going to do? I'm not a singer. Who here would say you're not a singer? Hands up. I'm not a singer, by the way. So it's okay. Who say I'm not a singer? I mean, don't compare to these guys. Just, I'm just, you're just not a singer. Yeah, but that does not exempt us from the commands to sing. And you're like, but I, it sounds terrible. Well, the scripture says make a joyful noise. A joyful noise. There's some noises that are not joyful. So that's, that's worship. Well, why do we worship? Well, because God is worthy. He's worthy of worship. You know, some people view God like this egomaniac who's this being that just worship me as if he demands it. He's not, he doesn't demand anything. He's just worthy of it. He says, in fact, you know, you get into his presence, you can't help but worship. Worship is the automated response of beholding him. He says, if you don't worship me, the rocks will start. Not because I'm telling the rocks to, but I'm so worthy of worship. You can't be in my presence and not pour affection, attention, adoration, focus in my direction. He's worthy of worship. We don't worship to get anything. We worship because He intrinsically is worthy of worship. That's why we worship. I also worship because I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You should be grateful. If you're not aware of what God has done for you, you know, just whenever God touches somebody, sets you free, you feel something shift. You, when something happens, the gratitude, you imagine if your child was in trouble or, 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 you know, in danger of death and someone rescues them. Your gratitude would overwhelm into an adoration. See, one of the signs I'm going dry is my worship has dried up. Not my singing, my worship. I've lost contact with how good God's been to me. And that's why we're meant to remind ourselves, we're meant to remember the works of the Lord and we're meant to stir that up in our heart. Everybody say, He's worthy. And then say, I'm grateful. Well, that's what we worship. What is worship? Why do we worship? What about where do we worship? Well, is it, you know, in John 4, this lady was getting awkward because Jesus started reading her mail. 
And so she started talking about, well, you Jews worship on this mountain. And Jesus said, listen, it's not about a mountain or a temple or a building or a place. Some people are like, what kind of church? Your church, one week here, one week there, one week here. We are the church. Where do we worship? Where two or three are gathered, that's where we worship. The, the pandemic taught us it really doesn't matter where we are. We worship where we are. That's why we sing the song, I'll make this place. What's this place? Whatever place. Whatever location you're at, I'll make this place a place of worship. I'll make this place a place of praise. And this place is not just a geography, it's a season. Season of barrenness. Well, I'll make this place a place of worship. Where do I worship? Everywhere. Where do I worship? In all things. In all things, give thanks. In all things. In a prison, Paul and Silas started worshiping. In the fields, David worshiped. Before princes and palaces, people worship. In the presence of the Lord, people worship. The presence of the Lord is wherever you are. You know, I like to do this. I like to picture the Lord in front of me every time I start worshiping. And as soon as I turn my affection and attention in His direction, whatever song, whatever style, I'm in a place of worship. That's why that song was so powerful in the pandemic. I make this place a place of worship. It was such a, oh God, I thank you. They can lock me up in a cell. I'll make this place a place of praise. What happens is everywhere you are, it helps when there's two or three gathered, but even if you're by yourself, you can make every place. So where do we worship? Not in a temple, not in a building made by brick or stone. Not in a particular location. But you know why we need to reawaken worship? I mean, even for me, watching at home online, and there are people online today who can't be here. Pastor Sean can't be here today. He's watching right now because he's got uh, some virus or something that's going around apparently. But I found myself, you know, when I'm watching at home, I'm just... Hmm. And then, of course, the mask made it harder. But I've learned in all things, I've got to learn to just worship God. I can't let my location stop me. I can't let the, the cloth on my face stop me. I can't let the feelings and my emotions stop me. I'm just going to make every place a place of worship. So that's the what, the why, and the where. What about the how? This is where we have a lot of interesting challenges. Because you know, how do we worship seems to be a barrier. In fact, we split churches over how we worship. Over styles, over denom you know, we have almost methodology around that. And it becomes a style thing or a personality thing. But I want to tell you, all the commands in Scripture to worship have nothing to do with your style or your personality. So, the great news and the bad news is this. It doesn't say, extroverts, clap your hands. Youth, dance for joy. There's no precursor to your age, your stage, or your personality. It does not say, loud people shout unto God. It just says, shout unto God. That's everybody. But on the flip side, there are those of us who are also introverts. I'm an introvert. People don't, don't believe that. Chilling, do you believe I'm an introvert? Yeah. You are and me are opposite. You are extrovert. I'm introvert. We are not the same. Except for our love for Christ. But here's the thing. 
just like the extrovert, the introvert needs to learn to, to, to jump and to shout and to clap. The extrovert needs to learn to be still. Then say, introverts, be still and know that I am God. No, all of us need to learn to be still. Still is not just external peace, it's internal peace. You can look at the ocean from an infinity pool with palm trees and have a raging noise on the inside. And you know, it's so sad when people, you know, I, I grew up in a, uh, really, uh, in a really conservative environment and lots of sincere good people there. There's lots of good, sincere good people everywhere. But when I first went to church, like ours, I guess, when I was younger, I was like, why did he sing the song so many times? How many times can you sing the song? And they finish the song, sing the next song. How many times can you sing all the glory? I didn't understand that really by the fifth time I was singing it, I meant it. I just wanted to get it out of the way because I wanted to go and hang out and eat the curry puffs on the back. I didn't want to worship. I just wanted to bide my time. But it's not every song you have to sing five times, six times. But we, that's what I'm saying. We fragment over style and personality and method. Don't, don't let that ever be a thing that stops you. So long as your heart is postured towards heaven and the presence of the Lord is there, give Him your adoration. Give Him your affection. You're like, I don't like this place. There's too many old screens and lights. And it's, it's not, a, don't make it about the style. Don't make it about that stuff. That stuff is not what matters. People are like, you know, sometimes, why do you have everything just right? God's not that fragile. So true, but we are. And really having unbroken affection and focus towards Jesus is worship at its purest. And anything that will help that Anything that will point me towards the presence of the Lord is a good thing. One of the joys about being together is we get to worship together. One of the hardest things about being together is also we get scared of one another. I remember again being an introvert, being really shy. The first time I wanted to lift my hands in church, I was so embarrassed because it just sounds weird. Who lifts their hands? And so it was a real challenge for me. And I remember, I think I was age about 13 or 14. I'm like, today I'm going to lift my hands. Today's the day. Today's the day. I'm sitting about the middle somewhere. And so I lifted my hands like this. And I'm looking around like, what are you all looking at? Stop looking at me. No one was looking. I'm so self-conscious. Some of us need to break the fear of man. Don't worry about what the person next to you thinks. Now, if... if, if the problem is sometimes the person next to you knows what you're really like. So then you feel hamstrung from really worshipping. Because you're like, oh, worship on Sunday, good. Huh? And then again, the car, you yell at me. <laughs> Don't allow anybody to stop your worship. What I loved about David is he worshipped in the fields, he worshipped in the palace. His wife said, wow, that is so undignified. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet, woman. Don't get in the way between me and my God. You are merely my spouse. I'm not suggesting you talk to your spouse like this. In fact, look, look at the person next to you now. 
Say, I set you free from the fear of me. I set you free from the fear of me. There you go. I've just healed some marriages right there. Care what people think, but don't obsess about it. And do not let it interfere with your worship. If God made you creative and bold, why only save that for the nightclubs? Or the karaoke lounges? No, give your best to God. Give the most of your affection to God. Whether it's standing, kneeling, sitting, raising your hands, clapping your hands, dancing, blessing the Lord, Give Him everything because He's worthy and I'm grateful. He's worthy and I'm grateful. So how, how do you worship the Lord? Well, I guess wholeheartedly, authentically, passionately. When do we worship? Actually, neither did I. I didn't know you had a child. Uh, by the way, those of you wondering, that wasn't the Lord. So I'm like, that was the Lord. Huh? Whoa, the pastor says, uh, When do we worship? Sundays? 9 a.m.? When do we worship? Here's, here, I actually put this verse out the first Sunday I came out continually. Remember Psalm 34? David is in the worst season of his life. He's pretending to be a madman. Some of us have to pretend. Some of us just naturally. But he was pretending to be a madman before this guy because he was fearful for his life. He ran. He was fearful. He was, and, the, and then you, you, like that's the pretext of the psalm. And you think, oh my gosh, this is going to be a bad psalm. It's going to be one of those smite them, Lord. My enemies are all around me, Psalm. Some of those Psalms are like that. And he says, this is how it starts. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why do you think he got God's attention? He didn't limit worship and praise to a place, a time, a location, a method, a style, or an argument. Everything about him with all his flaws. We're all flawed, but we can all give everything to God. We can all give, whether you're the front, whether you're the back, whether you're the side. So when's a good time to worship? All the time. Because where you are and where the Lord is, if you are the temple, and worship doesn't mean you have to stop and start singing. Worship is just pouring my affection and adoration in His direction. Everything I do, I do unto the Lord. If I'm serving, Lord, I serve you and this is my worship. Doesn't matter whether my leader sees or my boss sees or my CEO sees. I, I, my work is my worship. My life is my worship. My stewardship is my worship. My voice is my worship. My time management is my worship. My hobbies are my worship. My, my, my desires are my worship. Everything I do is my worship unto the Lord. And I guess before we actually go there, I want to just say something that might reawaken purpose at an absolutely fundamental level. You were made to worship. Uh, you were made to worship. You were made. You were created. I'm not talking about these guys. I'm saying you, no matter what anyone else told you, you were actually designed by God Himself. You were created to worship. In heaven, in the eternal yesterday, there were three archangels that we are aware of. Michael, a warrior. Gabriel, a messenger. And the third one was a guy called Lucifer. He was the worshiper. He was in charge, if you like, of the worship. Gabriel sent the messages and Michael led the armies in battle. 
in the realms of heaven. And, and yet Lucifer, pride got in his heart. Pride is an internal thing. People say, people get so proud in this church. No, if you can get proud in heaven, it's clearly got nothing to do with the atmosphere. So pride in heaven sent Lucifer down to earth and the third left with him. And God said, you know where you are? This place called earth, I'm going to take some dust, I'm going to breathe in it. And you know, when the Bible talks, there's a, different few, there's a few sparse references to what Lucifer was like. And depending on the commentaries you read, Lucifer, his very being was like in musical symphoni- symphonic orchestra. He had pipes within him. He had strings. He had percussive instruments. His, he was created for worship. And pride took him out. So God takes little dust, breathes in and says, what's this? I didn't lose anything because I'm going to create man in my image. And he made you and I, and, and he, guess what he did? He, he put percussive instruments. He gave us strings, vocal cords. And in your lungs, he gave you breath wind instruments to be able to speak to declare, to clap, to praise, to dance, to sing and when you choose to use your breath for God and it passes over those the strings in your cords you were made for worship you don't compare yourself to your singer or your friend or your the other musician but you and I were made to worship you and I are made to make a joyful noise I can't sing for nuts but I was made to worship I was made to worship. So it doesn't matter whether anybody likes my voice or likes my adoration. The stillness, I know how to be quiet before the Lord and yet I also know how to be unashamed before the Lord. You were made for worship. Which means you can make every place a place of worship. Means you can make every season a season of worship. And so today... Holy Spirit, reawaken the worshiper in the believer. Reawaken the worshiper in the disciple. Reawaken the desire to let no circumstance, situation. Lord, let fear not govern or guide or determine who we are, where we are. But God, we make this place a place of worship because you're worthy and because we are grateful. So why don't we stand to our feet? And while it is true that worship is every part of your life, if we had another 50 minutes, I would read to you the 50 commands to sing. And the, uh, but, it, but I don't want you to do this out of anything but your adoration. And maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. That would make worship awkward. But the depth of your intimacy and your relationship with the Lord is the reservoir from which you can then pull your affection into every song, And it really doesn't matter whether you want to stand or you want to sit or you want to kneel or you want to worship or you want to lift your hands. It's your intimacy with the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. 
If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.